When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, featuring business leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to become known as a trusted authority while building a thriving business you love? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Here's your host, Anne-Marie Cross. And welcome to another episode of the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show brought to you by the Influence Alliance, which is the business building community for coaches who want to build a profitable and scalable business while also launch a successful podcast so that they can make a much bigger impact in the world with their message. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Now, my guest today says great design makes great courses. And joining me on today's show is Nancy Gear. Nancy works with businesses of all sizes from solopreneurs right through to Fortune 100 companies. And she helps them turn their expertise into high profit courses. She creates engaging, fun and interactive programs that gets results. Now on today's show, Nancy is going to share some strategies to create online learning that your customers will want to buy and actually finish. She's going to talk about tips to design effective evergreen and live online courses, as well as an approach to selecting some high profit topics. And I'm sure much, much more. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here. And I know a lot of uh, coaches and consultants over the last couple of years who may have been doing a lot of face-to-face delivery and even organizations are now recognizing that their expertise that has been developed over, for many people, decades are now able to be taught to others who are looking for a solution, an answer that these individuals or organizations have developed and then can share. But there's a difference, isn't there, between putting that all together and launching it as a course, then putting it all together, as you say, with an intentionally designed course that is going to make a difference, that is going to uh, help people expand their awareness and actually finish it and (laughs) implement it, isn't there? That's all I guess we'll talk about today, yes? Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. So first, I'd love to ask the question, how did you get into this area? Can you give us a a brief snapshot of your journey that led you down the path? Yes. Well, my journey started about 30 years ago and I was asked to create a course by my boss and I'd never done it before. And I stumbled around and I struggled with it and I managed to get it together, but it it was nowhere near as um, efficient and effective as I am today. And what happened to me along the way is I had an opportunity to work for a company that's whole business was course creation. And I was brought in with a cohort of people and I was able to do the work, get regular feedback on my work. So I had a lot of great great coaching on the job and 
they also arranged for us to participate in a graduate program. So I got an advanced degree in instructional design. Those three components all together really made a difference in my career and getting me solid in what is known as instructional design, which is a specific methodology for creating courses. So now, you know, all these years later, I am really enjoying being able to coach and guide other people through this process. That's been my favorite part of my job uh, as I as I moved up into, you know, project manager, training manager, training director types of roles before going on my own as a consultant. Yeah, fantastic. And you would have learned along the way that, you know, whenever someone is uh, wanting to impart information, if you will, and then this as you said, in this in this arena, as we're talking about courses, and it's also courses that, as you, we've said, are evergreen. Um, yes. People can maybe self-pace themselves through whether there's some component of coaching that depends obviously on the, the delivery model. Mm-hmm. But what's really important by the sounds of it is the design, the instructional design. So yes. how would you define instructional design? Well, let me, let's look at it like from an example that maybe many of our people listening today are familiar with is if you were going to remodel your kitchen, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't just walk in there with a sledgehammer and start busting holes in the walls and then start bringing in cabinets and flooring and doing, you would have an actual vision for what you wanted that new kitchen to look like. And then you would think through, well, what are all of the key parts that I want to have in this new kitchen And what is the logical way that I need to put it all together to get to that vision of what that new kitchen is going to be like? So when people are thinking about designing a course, they want to begin with the end in mind. What's the transformation? What is the big promise? When someone finishes their course, what are they going to be able to do? What are they going to know? How are they going to feel? And what problem is the course going to solve for them? So you want to be thinking at that level first and then work backwards. Oftentimes people want to start with with writing the introduction and go forward when in fact, that's the last thing that you want to do. You want to really think through what's the logical order to get people from where they are today, from where I want them to be. Once you kind of think through the what, then you think through, well, how am I going to teach it? What type of interactive exercises am I going to put into place so that I can keep them engaged and stick with it along the way? So it has to, you know, it's, it's a very, it's just being um, intentional. Yes. I love that. So it's the example that you gave about the kitchen makes so much sense. As you said, you don't knock down one wall and then start bringing in cabinets. And so we realize start with the end in mind. That's you're speaking my language too. And it's important. (laughs) So when then you're thinking about the course and we're talking about that, that people will actually finish. I think, I, I don't know the exact number, but you you may be more familiar with this, the amount of people who buy courses and programs but never finish. It's huge, isn't it? Are there some specific things that you have found that is a core reason as to some of the reasons why people don't finish courses? Well, one of the, the key reasons I believe is that, you know, this time that we've just lived through, this pandemic, where everybody was shut down and people had to really quickly change their business models and they reacted fast and said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a webinar. 
I'll record it or, hey, I've got these webinars laying around here already. I'll just take these recordings and I'll put something on the front end, an intro on the front end, an outro on the back end, and there's my course. Well, it's a very different type of an experience when you're in a live webinar because you're there, you're participating, you're asking questions. Um, there may be some breakout rooms, some different activities that are going on that were set up for the webinar. And webinars are typically anywhere from you know 30 minutes to 60 minutes usually. When people go into an online course, it's a self-study type of a situation that just feels really long. And they'll kind of, they'll fast forward through it. They'll pause, they'll, they'll walk away and they won't go back because it's not really designed for that delivery method. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's, it's, the videos are too long. Yes. And the Q and A, I may not care about that Q and A in that moment. One simple hack that, that people can do is if they, if they have a webinar recording that they want to use, extract the Q and A and make a frequently asked questions document that people can refer to if they choose to. The questions are interesting when you're in the moment, most of the time, (laughs) but when you're working independently, you just might not care. Give me the information. I want want the strategies or whatever. Yes. Yes. And a video needs to be more scripted. It needs to be tighter and as concise as possible. Think yes. about what's happened with the rise of TikTok and YouTube shorts and people saying, well, what can you do in 90 seconds? What can you do in a minute? We actually can cover quite a bit. Yeah. And I, I just have to share this. I had done a, a webinar not too long ago and I forgot to hit the record button. My assistant <laughs> forgot to hit the record button. So the people that had paid for paid for to, to participate in it that wanted to get the recording, it's like, oh man, what am I going to do? So some of my friends that happened to be participating said, well, just deliver it again and we'll stay here so that you can have an audience. When I delivered it the the second time, I delivered all of the core content in half the time. And I thought, wow, this is (laughs) very telling to me because there weren't questions. I didn't go off on a tangent. I just, I had my script, I had my notes and I just went right through it and delivered it. And I thought that was a very good, uh, the very good teachable moment for me. And, tr- you know, I was able to build it into the program. Hey, like maybe they think I did it on purpose, but, <laughs> uh, yes. but it proved a really clear point that, you know, when we're watching something and it's self-studied, it has to be short, snappy. You've got to make transitions from a video to an activity. And that's where you lose people along the way. People just get bored they get busy, they move on to something else and they don't go back. Yeah. Great, great tip there because, you know, there could be some great content in there, but the way in which we're delivering it, that content is losing, you know, people's attention. And one of the things, and I don't know if this is another is saying that there's already out there, so I'm, I'm borrowing it, but I call <laughs> it layered learning because sometimes, you know, we need to hear a few things first before another teaching and having a break in between that so that that, that point is in maybe three or four minutes. Then we layer a next learning over the top of that. We give them an activity to do or mm-hmm. something like that yes. in between enables the learner to do it in stages, isn't it? Yes. Um, and you may do that within a, a live classroom environment where all of a sudden we wouldn't teach and then all of a sudden blurt something out in an hour and then go, any questions? Can I get some feedback? <laughs> uh, we can role model some of that within yes. live course as well. It, yeah. It's not like the university lecture hall where you walked <laughs> in, you know, you sat down 
and the professor talked for an hour and you took copious notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Today. <laughs> so when you're talking about, let's have a look then at, um, well, first of all, let me ask, are there some other tips you want to share around creating courses where customers will want to invest in these courses and then actually finish? What are some tips, additional tips that you can share there? Yes. One, one um, key way to approach it is look at it from the perspective of what would it look like as an evergreen course, even though the first way you deliver it might be in a webinar. A simple hack for people, because you, you may have a, a really usable recording. If you plan it, you deliver your content, pause, smile, then move and then if, if take any questions and pause be in that Q&A block and then go into the next segment and just repeat that cycle. And by putting in those strategic breakpoints, you've got video that's more likely to be usable. And so if you really think about being more, I don't want to say it's you're close to scripted, but yet you, you, you've got then a first generation of your online course because it's easy to edit, it's easy to break up, it's easy to put in then the activities that will work for the evergreen audience. You can always then later on just re-record the whole thing and swap out the video components. It's kind of the beauty of working in this space is that because we're delivering it online, we can keep changing out the content to keep it fresh. Yes. When you're talking about um, that, it, it just sparked something that a uh, conversation that I uh, overheard just actually it was about a month or so ago, keeping it fresh. When you're thinking about the, a course, how often should you consider revisiting it? I mean, obviously you're not wanting to record it if there's no new information, but Nancy, is there kind of a rule of thumb that you would say, look, maybe every couple of years or or what are you starting to see as it could be a good standard for well, us to maintain? A lot of it depends on how dynamic is the content. When I have done work for, uh, you know, SaaS type companies, you're revisiting it quarterly, kind of keeping track of what's changed along the way and then doing quarterly updates. But if something is more long-term, I don't know if you're teaching um, electricity, I, that just came to mind, but how much is changing in physics or chemistry, right? <laughs> then it becomes more about, you know, is there something, is there in more of an innovative way that you could teach the information? So you could be looking at it on an annual basis, but it's really how much does the, the content change? That's what yeah. you need to be mindful of so that what you have uh, is, is current. Yeah. What do you think about, because I'm, I'm a very visual learner and one of the things that I have noticed that I really appreciate um, is also having slides and words because if it's just a talking head or someone teaching, I'm very distracted by a lot of the things, the things that they're wearing, their background <laughs> and all that. What are they reading? <laughs> well, that's right. So when there's slides there as well that reconfirm some of those things and I've got a workbook, I find that as a learner that really helps me. So yes. what do you think about a blend, doing a little bit of the talking head Absolutely. and then slides? What are you seeing is working really well? Well, I think it works really well to switch between on-camera to slides 
and have your slides be more visual and just keywords. Mm. And if you have a workbook or a worksheet for people to go through where you're pointing them to do something in the workbook, every time there's a shift between the camera shot, between having them do an activity, that's that creates interaction. And there are tools on the market now. Uh, I happen to be a Mac user, so I'm using something called Ecamm which allows me to set up scenes. And I, I can't show it because I didn't come in with my Ecamm camera because I, I didn't know how it was going to work with, with StreamYard because I haven't done much with StreamYard yet. But I have um, a Stream Deck, which is just this, I can show this little thing here. It's a, it's a keypad. And yeah. what I do is each scene is a button on the keyboard, which then allows me to just very deftly move from me on camera to a PowerPoint slide to sharing a screen, sharing a document, to a video clip, whatever I want to do. And it's very, it's very seamless. What I've discovered since I started using this is I can be on my slide and talk through the key points. Then if I want to take questions or add more information, I can go back to me being on camera or then I can be making that, you know, connection with the audience. Yes. And it's really, that's been a game changer for Amazing. me. Yeah, because um, I do, um, you know, one training every month for a a group of my clients and I did some screen sharing myself. But the the tool that you've just mentioned, I've I've seen it being shared before, would be really wonderful because then if you've got to take all and then you've got to stop and then you've got to do this, it can take a little bit of time. I mean, it's certainly worth it. Yes. Look at some of the tools that are available, you know, the technologies that would help in the creation um, of of putting that together. Uh, it's important. So you were saying every time a screen, you know, it, it changes or there's an activity, an encouragement to do an activity, that changing of that continues to keep it fresh, that people's yes. attention. That keeps people engaged because, oh, you know, what's what's happening next? And also doing things like if you're going to be calling on people by name, if you're doing a, a live type of a Zoom, or if you know you're going to be called on by name, oh, I got to pay attention because she might yeah. pick me. Yes. <laughs> I got to be yes. ready. <laughs> There's nothing worse. I remember I had my name, Anne-Marie, is one of those very unusual names that unfortunately many teachers used to remember. So I was often, I would try and hide in the back of the room. <laughs> don't notice me, don't notice me, Anne-Marie. But I mean, obviously made you stay alert, which is which is good. What about timing of, to say, for instance, you've got a course, there's obviously modules that you put in there. Is there a standard time frame that you say when you, especially if a lot of people are doing more on learning, mm-hmm. try not to make those videos, those little lesson videos any longer than, I don't know, three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes? Is there a kind of a standard recommended? The, the window that people have been working in has been five to eight minutes. Yeah. Now, having said that, there are some things, if you can say it in two minutes, say it in two minutes. So you want to be as concise as you can. I was looking at uh, a course that I'm taking earlier today, and I just was noticing that the videos in this particular program ranged from anywhere from two minutes there was one in there that was 15 minutes. I'm going to be very curious about how I'm going to respond to the 15 minute video since our attention spans are getting shorter. So you want to, you know, the whole thing is be as concise as you can. If you're getting past that, excuse me, that eight minute window, really take a look at it with a critical eye and go, does this need to be this long? Or should I think about breaking this into two parts? Because if, if it's the right amount of time for the content, 
then don't don't break it up just for the sake of oh well I can only have it be eight minutes. Sometimes mm-hmm. you know don't don't stress over that. Look at it and go can I make it shorter? If you can, great. If you can't, that's okay. But yeah. I think like fifteen minutes is probably pushing people's yeah. uh, edge. And it's the way in which someone engages too, isn't it? Yes. That's one of the things, the delivery aspect of it. You've got to maintain some curiosity and interest in your voice yes. as well. I mean, if you continue to speak in a monotonous voice like this, <laughs> I mean, your audience would soon um, become disinterested. So the delivery, that's important too, yes? yes. You know, having high, you know, keeping the the energy up, It's it's really it's not that much different when you think about delivering a really good speech. You're going to be telling stories. You're going to have vocal variety. You're going to pause. You're going to slow down. You're going to do different things with your voice and your body to keep people's attention. And you want to be doing that when you're on camera. I've been kind of studying more what's happening on a TV program, like a news program or a talk show or a movie and just kind of hmm, what's what's happening what's going on how often are the scenes changing uh just to, to see you know because that's where we're used to getting entertainment yeah. from screens and now we're getting more education from screens i mean e-learning has been around for a long time it's just exploded in the last two years because people couldn't leave the house so what else are you gonna do right yeah. And thank goodness I've participated in many courses that I would never have been able to because they were only run face-to-face and I, I just would not have yeah. um, been able to, to attend. Uh, but the delivery is is just really so important. It's so important. You know, one, one of the things you said about, you know, taking a recording, adding an intro and an outro and then throwing it up and saying, well, that's my course, very similar to a podcast episode too. Often they, well, I'm going to take that webinar that I did, put an intro and outro and call it a podcast. But there's aspects of that. There's also a journey that you take people through. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. like storytelling. There's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. But right. there's also other components within that um, training that is going to continue to support. But one thing I know that you also talk about is coming up with a, not just a topic, but a high profit topic too, because we can put a lot of energy and time and, and money and commitment into creating a course, implementing all of the steps that you have uh, just shared. And I'm sure you've only just scratched the surface, but then we launched the course and it's crickets that no one really <laughs> wants to, yeah, to, yeah. Uh, to have it. So what are the tips that you can share, this approach? Yes. This is like well, the people work in, it, I've seen two extremes. And, and the first extreme is I'm going to wait until it's perfect and then I'll launch. And then the other side is I'll sell it and then I'll build it. And they're both dangerous for different reasons. The first one's dangerous is because you put a lot, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money into building something that nobody buys. It's dangerous to sell it first and then build it because you you have to be, unless you're really clear on exactly how long it's going to take you to build it so that you can get a course out there that's at the quality you want in the time frame that you promise to your customers Oftentimes people will, will do that and then they build something really, really quick and dirty and it's kind of disappointing. So what I recommend that people do is do some initial research. See what's already out in the market. What, what are your competitors doing? What's out on LinkedIn Learning or Udemy? Take some time to do some interviews 
with your clients, run some focus groups, float your ideas past them and see what they say. And if they give you, you know, really good buying signals and you can also, and it's also pre-selling to a certain extent, but you're going, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Would love to get your thoughts on what I'm offering. Because oftentimes when you do that, they will tell you something that you thought was like the best idea ever. They'll be like, yeah, not so much. And something you didn't consider, they'll go, that's what I want. And everything else in between. So not that, not that everything you're going to come up with, they're not going to want, because you should have a good chance of where your market is, but it'll help you dial in on what do they want to learn from you. Then after you do that research, then get in and start building. So, and it, this does not have to take forever. You can, you can do this in a couple of weeks. So it's not like I'm saying you got to, you know, extend your, your creation time, but it's just to be thoughtful on the front end, take some time to find out what really are the problems? What are they looking to learn and then take action and start to build it out? Yeah. And the framework, I think what you mentioned, having some clear idea on the kind of topics that you would have in this course, if you were to run it, as you said, to be able to get them from where they are where they are, to obviously the outcome that they're wanting. Uh, but then the pieces can be filled in. Yes. I, I remember one of the, the very first times that I ran one of my courses, the podcasting with purpose, what it is today is very different. But I remember it was, I had an idea on what I wanted to create the framework that became kind of the sales um, conversation that I had with people. But I remember the week that we had the coaching calls and the questions and the interaction between the students really informed me. I was even having ahas to the degree that they were going, oh my goodness, that is amazing. And I'm thinking, actually, I wasn't even going to put that in there or have to say that. But now that you mentioned it, I can spend some time in unpacking that. It's, it's incredible too, isn't it? The feedback that we get from our customers and even our community, as you said, start doing some interviews can be exactly what we need to do because that informs us how many of us as coaches, consultants, service providers think, I think I need to do this and go to your audience, go to your existing former customers and they will often give you some wonderful advice and feedback as to what would be valuable. And it's a and it's a good opportunity to engage with people too in a in a different way. And you know, it, 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 outreach is always good, right? Yes. yes. Something I would have loved to ask you because I'm sure you hear this in your area. I know I hear it in mine where it ran podcasts. There's so many podcasts, Emery, and I say to them, yeah, but there's only one you, one story that you share and the, the approach that you bring to the table, you know, or to the microphone as you share your story. But Nancy, there are so many courses out there. Why wouldn't my <laughs> course be any different? Share a little bit about that. Well, it's really, it's, it's like you said, there's only one you. And people have a unique spin now on their on what they're offering. If you're going to just try to copy something else that's out there and do it in a way that's kind of that's no, there's nothing unique about it or different, you know, that, that you want, probably want to think twice and, and not get into the game. You know, I have a, a client who does a lot of work in presentation skills training. She also is an actor. So she brings forward different characters in her work. So that makes taking a course on presenta presentation skills different if you take it from Rebecca as opposed to other uh, someone else. I, I have another friend. She um, is a nurse and she does leadership training and other work in the 
medical community, but she's also an actor. So she shows up as Florence Nightingale. I know some other people, they have a unique process. They've got a great methodology or an approach that is unique to them. So I'm going to teach you my approach. It's what I do. Nobody else does it quite like me. And that's the, that's the main thing to look at is nobody does it quite like you. So yes. you want to figure out you, the stories you tell are different. The way you engage with people is different. And if you think about, you know, there's a, there's a lot of coaches that are um, tuning into this program. People resonate with coaches be, of how they connect. Mm. And so the people that you connect with are going to want to be in your community and they're going to want to learn from you. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, often it's the journeys. I mean, you're, you're speaking, you're speaking my language, Nancy, everything that you've said is <laughs> so true because you know why should you launch a, a course or create a course is because the way in which you bring it forward the stories that you can wrap around it and so often it's the stories that we share the learnings that we've learned and the systems and the steps the methodologies as you said that we've been able to come up with to help us overcome some of the challenges is exactly what a your ideal client is looking for mm-hmm. and often too it can be a fresher breath air that the industry that you're in or the area that you're in needs as, as well so why not you you know and, and the way yeah. in which bring that forward is so that someone will listen because of your approach and the style that you bring like the Florence Nightingale yeah uh, <laughs> no one else would teach it than just that quite just that way yeah yeah so that's important and it's often those those things that we take for granted such as what you just shared those examples that make such a difference into the intention, attention and intention that our customers will finish the course. Mm-hmm. And the program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Nancy, I'm sure that we have uh, only just scratched the surface as I said. <laughs> so much more to consider. Oh, yes. Uh, you are certainly a person that can guide them through that. So if someone's been listening today, maybe uh, they're at the beginning of – been thinking about doing something or maybe they have launched a course before that has not quite worked and they want to do it the right way uh, you've got your website there nancy.com yes. uh, that's the best place for them to yes connect. and if they want to email me it's just nancy at nancygeary.com yeah fantastic so what's on the horizon for you this uh for the rest of the the year just more continue to support people yes got a course a new course or program coming out i have a five-day challenge that's starting the week of may 16th where i take people through some of the key elements about course creation and then after that uh, i then i offer people to uh, a group program that they can participate in and i run these I run the challenges every uh, every other month, the odd months of the year is when the challenges go. And I'm getting ready to put put together a membership group. And that's just all it's just up here right now. I'm hoping to launch that in in June or July. And that will be a place that course creators can come and we will talk about all things course creation different ideas that you can implement. We'll get into the process. We'll get into some creative training techniques. And I'll I'll bring in a lot of special guests that have expertise in different um, parts of the process because it's really, you know, going from idea to implementation, there's a whole lot to do along the way and lots of great people for us all to learn from. Yeah. Including me. (laughs) 
so true. So true. And by the way, I, I, I know that you said um, there was a certain date. So if someone is listening or watching this recording at a later date, as you've said, uh, you run these regularly. And I'd imagine if they go to your website, nancygear.com, they can then find out of your upcoming yes. five-day challenge yeah. and then launch. Um, I mean, you talk about idea to implementation. I talk about idea to launch your podcast. But it's just like a course. You can launch a course and then it's there. But there's the things that you do before it, during right. the development after and then after so yes. there's all these things that you can continue to do but I do know that when you do it correctly just like you know I say launching a podcast correctly you really can make a much bigger impact in the world you can attract your ideal client and really grow a successful business isn't there if you think of the many millions of people billions of people around the world um, many of them are obviously not your ideal client but a small portion of those people are waiting for you to launch that course yes and um you know logistics is not a problem anymore i think this which is a good thing when you think there's always a silver lining isn't there when anything happens so we, whilst we may not have liked the lockdown so much um it's brought a lot more people online to recognize how much information and ability to connect with people around the world that you may never have met exactly uh, our reach has grown I mean, this this uh, week, I the uh, the only continents I haven't spoken to people <laughs> are India and China. Oh, there you go. But otherwise, I've hit I hit South Africa, I hit Europe, and now with you, Australia. So I mean, and I, this probably would not have happened, yeah, pre pandemic. Yeah, I know. So there's a silver lining to uh, to every every cloud, as they say, and it's certainly true. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, your knowledge and coming in and um, certainly would recommend people connect if they're thinking about developing to be able to share that and make a much bigger impact. And there goes my head of security. <laughs> I had a person that was knocking on the door and they did it twice and I thought, well, the third time, I might just have to on big screen that's the thing that we do when we work from home isn't it the beauty of being able to work from home and that's all right he's agreeing agreeing yes, yes. she and takes it, her role very seriously as head of security at nancy geary associates yeah, <laughs> terrific well thanks once again for coming on the show you're very welcome it's been my pleasure this podcast is brought to you by the influence Want to influence real change with your message by becoming known as a trusted authority in your industry while building a sustainable and scalable business you love? Find out how by accessing our free podcast series at www.theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. That's theinfluencealliance.com forward slash podcast series. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>